0: Welcome to the PFF NFL Daily today, discussing draft boards and player movement here in late March. Why is it happening? What triggers draft board movement at this point in the process? It's all brought to you by DraftKings. The tournament is in full swing, and the action hasn't disappointed. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 if the college basketball team of your choosing pulls off the win. That's code PFF to turn $1 into $100 for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. All right, Sam, it's a it's a common question. The season ended months ago. No football's been played, but players continue to move up everyone's draft board, whether it's at PFF, whether it's NFL.com, Todd McShay, Mel Kuyper, all of it, right? So open-ended question. Why is it happening? And then we'll discuss a little bit more specifically, you know, maybe some of the process here at PFF.
1: Yeah, it, it is a good question to ask because, you know, you look at this and you say, generally, football hasn't been played for a while. Nothing new has happened since people who put their boards together a while ago why are people moving up and down now it's a little bit muddier this year because football is happening some places you know yes going on right now um, but you know the the bottom line is people are people haven't just created these boards from watching college football throughout the season right they go back and they start watching these guys specifically they start grinding the tape hashtag um, and that's how you come up with this initial list, right? But you got to get through like three, four, 500 players, and you can't do that in depth one after the other, you know, sequentially. When you start, you've got to sort of broad brush. You got to get through everybody quickly, and then you can go back and start adding some layers to this once you have an idea of where your initial rankings are. So, what you're seeing now is people go back to the initial finding and dive in a bit deeper and start figuring out, you know, the the extra layers of this and moving guys up and down. Plus, you have to factor in measurables and the athleticism. I know that's stuff a lot of people don't like to factor in, but it's a part of it. You know, how much of a part, we can debate and we can talk about. But when a guy runs a stinking three-cone time or doesn't run a a three-cone time at all, and it also tallies with, you know, some maybe questionable change of direction skills on tape, that should be a factor in your evaluation and move a guy up or down your board.
0: Yeah, so I, I like what you're saying, too, because it it, it is the evaluation process just continuing. Um, and, you know, back when I was uh, more officially in charge of putting together the draft board, that was a big part of it. You're still into February and March really trying to watch players. And, and it's easier to watch them at the end of the season when you do have that full sample size and you can go through their entire season. Um, The measurables absolutely do matter as well. And because each position has a certain weighting where, you know, three cone does matter for some and 40 and uh, burst and 10 yard dash do matter for other, you know, for other positions. And our analytics team has really done a good job of taking those numbers and just mapping them to our PFF grade, which is, um, you know, something that NFL teams are really interested behind the scenes. um, Some of the work that we've done there. Um, The other part, too, is you have to dissect what the draft board is trying to accomplish. Every draft board is different. And there are some uh, that are based off of more projection. And, you know, I want my top 32 to be the top 32 players that get drafted. So some people are moving the board around based off what they hear. And they're getting Mm. information from scouts and teams and saying, we love this guy. And, you know, they just move him around, whether they're watching him or not, or other people are actually evaluating and moving people up and down the board. So. Uh, it, it depends on you know what your angle is as well
1: right and also you know caleb farley right caleb farley is slipping down draft boards right now because he's had a second back surgery um and okay it sounds like this one is a relatively minor um routine enough uh procedure an outpatient thing he's supposed to be cleared by the start of training camp and and shouldn't affect anything but you know, back surgeries are never good. And anytime you've got a second one on your resume as a player, it's going to affect things. So you might love uh, Caleb Farley's tape. You might think he's the best cornerback in this draft from an on-the-field perspective, but stuff like this is coming out and stuff like this changes your perception and it has to start dropping guys like that down the board. So, you know, I think Caleb Farley is the best cornerback in this draft, the most talented, but the specter of two back surgeries is scary. And if you... That, for me, would make me drop him below a guy like Patrick Sertan. Now, I'm not sure I'd drop him below JC Horn unless I played a very specific type of defense, but I get why people would. So, again, things like that are coming into the the whole evaluation now, which which is also changing where you rank guys regardless of whether you uh, changed your opinion of them on tape or not.
0: PFF Draft Board has received an update over at PFF.com. Farley drops from our number one corner, drops down to number 27 overall, the third corner on our list. And it reminds me of Jeffrey Simmons a few years ago, a guy that was up in that Ed Oliver conversation, at least for us at PFF, as a top 10 caliber player. He was injured. Tennessee Titans grab him. Uh, later on in the first round and almost, you know, expected to have a red shirt year out of him. Farley's not necessarily at that point, but here's here's who benefits from the, the Caleb Farley move. If our draft board is mirroring what's happening in NFL war rooms right now, Caleb Farley being available in the 20s for teams like the Jets who have two first round picks, the Jaguars who have two fir- yes. first round picks and the Dolphins who have two first round picks. I am taking that chance every single time because the payoff of grabbing a caleb farley with that free extra first rounder is
1: just enormous the dolphins it would be an absolutely phenomenal pick and you know we got asked a while ago on the the main podcast when a team finds themselves in a situation of essentially having a good enough roster where they can they're in luxury pick territory you know the bucks are like this um what do you do with that you know do you And one of the things I think you can do, for a start, you're never really in a luxury pick point of view because you just draft for the future. You know, you don't draft for now, you draft for next year. So you pick a a guy who might be in a position of strength knowing that next year you're not going to be. You just get ahead of the game, to be honest. But the other thing you can do is I think you can start to take some more risks. So say, all right, we don't have a glaring need. We can draft a guy for next year. We can also draft a guy who's a bigger risk somewhere. You know, whether it's off-field character concerns whether it's an injury uh history and you can take a bit of a a heavier gamble so if you're miami you've got a ton of corners last year you drafted no igben didn't play particularly well but what first round or what rookie cornerback did so why not take a caleb farley and if he pans out if he's the best cornerback in this draft if the back injury never surfaces again you just hit the jackpot. Now you can move on from one of your high price corners or, you know, if monogamy doesn't take a step forward, it doesn't matter cuz you just find a better player anyway. Um and if it does, in theory you don't need him anyway, so so who cares?
0: It's it reminds me of uh, you know, the the work we do over on the Robin Hood app, Sam. You got to diversify your funds, right? <laughs> when you're if you have the extra draft capital, you could take safe players, you could take uh, you know, medium impact positions or you could take
1: High risk, high impact positions like a Caleb Farley at cornerback. When you're working with as much profit as we've got, you can start throwing it around on some bigger risks. All right,
0: this is, it's a whole separate podcast that we should be running over there. You know, a little some investment tips and all that, but it's not for today. Uh, on the PFF draft board, other interesting names that have moved around a little bit: Gregory Rousseau from uh, the U at Miami. He's become the second edge defender on the draft board now. Rousseau moves down a little bit after sub subpar explosion numbers. And Jalen Phillips, a guy that if he just – a lot of people have him as the number one edge uh, in this draft. He's at 30 on our draft board with the only real concern being one year of production plus uh, some off field, some injury concerns, some concussion issues with Jalen Phillips. So, uh, pff.com has our updated draft board. Go check it out. See some of that player movement. Guys like Elijah Moore moving up, Greg Newsom, the cornerback out of Northwestern, by the way, Elijah Moore, uh, one of those 5-9 wide receivers in this draft. Sam, there are 5-8 and 5-9 and actually 5-7 Rondale. Small wide mm. receivers all over this draft. I think that's going to be one of the biggest stories. Some of these really fast, really shifty receivers uh, adding some explosion to
1: NFL offenses. I think a lot more people as well are going to have Jalen Phillips as their number one edge after the times that he put up at the, uh, the Miami Pro Day. Insane 40 numbers, insane, um, just insane workout numbers, period. I think he's going to jump up a bunch of boards. Yeah, the the wide receiver group is interesting because you made the point before we went live, and I think it's a good one, that if you're five foot seven, eight, nine, you need to show me on your tape that you can be a T.Y. Hilton or a Tyreek Hill or a guy that can play outside and dominate. Like, other, you can't just be this sort of slot weapon. To be a first-rounder, right, of these to guys, be, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. be a top guy. Right, and I don't know how many of these guys have done that. Um, and, you know, Elijah Moore's good. He's He's got good tape, but I I, I don't know that he's shown me more than guys like Rondale Moore, who is like a devastating athlete compared to anybody else in the field. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I like him. I just don't know... How much?
0: Yeah, so to answer the initial question, Sam, players are moving all over the board because of various reasons. You have the workouts, you have people finally getting around to watching them, and then you have, say, the wide receiver position, much like Elijah Moore, Rondell Moore, uh, Kadarius Tony, Tutu Atwell, all these guys who are similar Styled and teams are trying to, you know, they're going to have all sorts of different answers when it comes to their particular draft board. So uh, let us know what you guys think. Is Is it right to get some of these, some of this late movement on the draft boards? What are your thoughts? It's all the PFF NFL Daily.